is Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host. Hey, welcome everyone to this edition of Popular Technology Radio. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike Etchart, and I'm recording this here in April, and I am so excited for the Game of Thrones. Season 8 is coming up. The last season, if you are a fan of Game of Thrones, you know that. It is the finale of the season. If you're a geek like I am about the show, it's going to be, well, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm trying not to read anything online. But one thing I did notice, and I'd heard this before, but Game of Thrones is the most pirated thing on the internet. Yes, it is because of its popularity. Of course, it is literally the most pirated show that is out there. But if you're not worried about breaking the law when you are taking that, there's something else to think about. A security company, Kaspersky, has released a new report uh, talking about malware that is in various things that people download. And no surprise, Game of Thrones, uh, somebody, one of the articles said, the Game of Thrones torrents are dark and full of terrors. Indeed, Something like, of the 31 shows that these folks studied, there are about 125,000 cases of malware posing as episodes. And Game of Thrones, yeah, that is something to consider. So go out and get that subscription to HBO. Even if you just get, uh, is it HBO Now or Go, where you can just basically pop in and pop out. That's certainly what I do. Interesting to see that Game of Thrones, the most popular pirated show. The second most popular show is The Walking Dead. No surprise there. So Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and a show called Arrow were the worst shows for malware. Yeah, fake Game of Thrones episodes accounted for almost one-fifth of the malware on the internet. Strangely enough, the first and last episode of each of the seasons are the worst for malware, with the first ever episode being one of the leading sources of malware. American Horror Story is another one. All of these shows, if you're downloading them illegally, get ready because you might be uh, downloading malware. Stunningly, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on in the show, $15 million an episode to make the Game of Thrones show. $15 million. I think when when all is said and done, there's going to be about 63 episodes, I want to say, something like that. So they will have made, you know, north of 30 movies as we wrap up the season. So if you're a fan, you might know that the last season is only going to be six episodes. So I'm unsure how they're going to completely wrap up this enormous story in, in six episodes. But if you've watched the show, you also know that everybody dies. So some of your favorite characters end up dying, and so I'm sure many people are going to not make it out by the end. So we will see where that all goes. So we've got a great show coming up. We're going to have Jeff Morrison from The Wirecutter coming on. We're going to talk about video games. We are going to talk about content. This is the year of content. All of these big blockbuster movies and blockbuster wrap-ups of shows like Game of Thrones are coming. So... If you are a consumer of said content, as I am, it is a, it's going to be a busy spring. So on that note, let us get going. You were listening to Popular Technology Radio, and I want to have a great song coming out. So let's go out with a little bit of ACDC back in black. And we come back. You're going to be listening to Pop Tech Radio. Stay with us.
Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. today. Since the Austin Hatcher Foundation's birth in 2006, it has grown to provide unique programs to help the children and the families affected by pediatric cancer. Support begins at the time of diagnosis and continues throughout survivorship at no cost to families. Lives touched by the foundation continue to rise each day. But we need your help. Donate, volunteer, or partner with the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Learn how you can get involved. Visit HatcherFoundation.org for more information. Back at his popular technology radio, Mike Etchard and my good buddy Jeffrey Morrison. He, of course, is an editor at large for The Wire Cutter. He is also a freelance photographer and writer for CNET and The New York Times. And he is calling us from a vacation destination, not here where I am. Jeffrey, I'm jealous. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very well. <laughs> I bet you are. I, well, I'll just I'll tell you my view out right of my hotel window right now is of a some teal water and a white sandy beach. So <sighs> yeah, not too bad. Whatever, whatever. All right, we're going to talk about where that is a little later. <laughs> but I'm sufficiently jealous. So in my first before you came on, Jeffrey, I was talking about Game of Thrones and the upcoming last season. Are you a Game of Thrones aficionado? Oh, of course, of course, you are. I've actually. Uh, traveled and did an article for CNET on some of the real-world locations where they've shot the show, including Northern Ireland and a ton in Croatia. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic show. Well, and just from a production standpoint, it is stunning. I think at the end of this season, we will have roughly 63 episodes. They're all a little over an hour or so, or right around an hour, which means, you know, they've roughly made... 31 movies or so. I mean, it's just, it's staggering yeah. the amount of money that it has brought in, the amount of money that is spent. And uh, the amount of money that it costs. And the exactly. that it's cost. <laughs> exactly. But, but it is a profitable venture. And as we wind down, yeah. it is yeah. certainly amongst the most popular shows of all time. And this is kind of turning into uh, this spring. It's going to be the, the season of of content, shall we say. I think later on in the month, I believe it's the 26th of April, we've got Avengers Endgame coming out, which mm -hmm. is, I guess is going to be the, well, allegedly the last of this trilogy. I think they're saying that they're looking at maybe 200 to $250 million over that first weekend. Pre-sale oh, tickets yeah. are out right now. Are you a fan of this trilogy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... I get annoyed with people who aren't. I mean, if you're not into sci-fi and fantasy, fine, whatever. But these are fantastically well-made movies, and they're fun. They're, you know, I don't, I don't see why anyone could dislike them. I mean, they're just a good time. I'd show most of them to my folks, and they're not into that stuff. <laughs> um, so it's great, and I'm excited to see this one. You know, they're not all perfect, but they are all consistently good, and some of them are amazing. And um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to see how this all wraps up. So, I mean, Captain Marvel from last month was excellent as well. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and like you were saying with Game of Thrones, I mean, it's such a, you know, probably the best show of the modern era and just in terms of production quality and, and you know, per episode quality. I mean, each season has been fantastic. Uh, I, I doubt we're going to see the likes of it ever again. I don't think um, we're going to see that kind of budget dropped on a TV show you know, anytime in the near future, certainly not the way that HBO is going. So no, and, yeah, and, it's interesting. 
And you know, you, be fun. you think about, or at least I think about, you know, what was the commitment ahead of time? You know, before they knew how successful it was, you know, would they have wrapped? Would they have ended Game of Thrones and after the first season or the second season had it not been successful? It was a huge gamble on the part of of HBO to go for that. I mean, it's just such a gigantic undertaking, and the fact that they've now skipped over the books and that is even different charted territory for any sort of a franchise, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think HBO is one of the best track records for content of any of the content creators in television. Um, so I think they knew they had something solid on their hands, probably when they first read those first few scripts. I mean, the books are obviously fantastic. And then the scripts were really well done by a really good team. So like, I think all the pieces were in place. And I think the I'm guessing that the HBO suits probably read those first scripts and were like, yeah, okay, this is, this is going to work. Um, and then when they probably saw it, how it, how it did work, they're like, yep, okay, keep going, <laughs> keep doing this. This, keep will, this will be keep... fine. People will like this. Well, and then the interesting backstory to me, to all of this is of course, since that has come out fairly recently, the people that own HBO has changed now run by AT&T. And I wonder, and in fact, the, the, uh, whose name I can't remember now that the head of HBO recently stepped down after I think almost 30 years with the company. Yeah, you know, I mean, I the guy who basically created HBO as we know it. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the stories kind of went that he was, you know, bristling under the new management. And one story I read, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I believe, you know, kind of the sources familiar with the situation, um, his new boss basically said, well, why can't you guys just make a lot of crap and then instead of like just a few good things? And the guy was like, we're not going to do that. And he, like, well, I'm guessing they probably just said, you should just make a lot of crap like Netflix does. And he didn't want to do that. So that's my take on how it happened from the stuff I've read. Well, we'll see. We will see what that means. We've certainly talked a lot about it on the show. It is a new day for content. There's certainly tons of great content, but also new people yeah. running content companies. And not people necessarily well-versed in the nuances and intricacies of that challenging business. I mean, it's let's be fair, yeah. it's super hard to make hits. And having worked in the music business, yeah. I remember we had uh, consultants come in and say, why don't you just put out good albums? And I was like, well, <laughs> hey, thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you for that. You know, exactly. Do you try? There was a fantastic article that came out yesterday um, on Kotaku, the gaming website. And it was a, a, a huge, it was 11,000 words. And it was kind of a behind-the-scenes look at this game called Anthem that just came out from a legendary developer, Bioware. And it was a huge flop. I mean, it was in development for seven years, uh, and it was just hated by everyone. I mean, critics, people buy like, everyone hated it. And they couldn't figure out what. Like, Bioware has such a great tracker. What happened? And so this guy interviewed 19 current and former Bioware employees to figure out what had happened. And a lot of that was the kind of thing. Like, no one sets out to make a bad anything you know, bad game or a bad movie or bad TV show, whatever. And this guy laid out the series of decisions and in his take, the lack of quality management and anyone making a decision, which I'm sure you've probably heard before as well. No one will make a decision. So they just kind of kept going with changing every couple of weeks what the game was going to be. And then they had to rush it out at the end because, okay, crap, we actually have to ship this thing. Um, I, I recommend it. It's a, it was a fantastic read, um, just to see behind the scenes of this legendary developer. 
And it happens. It absolutely happens. And on that note, we got to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. Stick around because we are coming right back. Tonight you better Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years. Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years. And we are back. It is Talks with Technology Radio. Mike Etchark here with Jeffrey Morrison. He is the editor-at-large at The Wirecutter. He is also freelance photographer and writer for CNET and The New York Times. And my producer, Cody Castleberry, is joining us. Now, you guys are both gamers. We kind of just, we're just touching on gaming there. We just had the Game Developers Conference, gosh, when was that? A couple of weeks ago, it seems. And we've got E3 coming up. You are both much deeper into games than I am. I'll start with you, Jeff. Gaming-wise, what are you kind of fired up about these days? What's a game you're playing and maybe looking forward to something else coming down the pike? Well, I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2, which isn't exactly a new game, but they kind of roll out updates pretty frequently, so that's a lot of fun. Um, but the game that I've actually been having the most fun with, and it will tie into something we'll talk about later, is this game called Sea of Thieves, which just is about to hit its one-year anniversary. And another thing that they've been updating a lot, updating a lot. And it's um, kind of an open-world multiplayer game, uh, but you play as a pirate and you have ships. But what's different about it is everyone is on the same level. Everyone has the same guns. Everyone plays the same. It's just your skill and the leveling is really just kind of you get different outfits and stuff. But you go on these adventures, and, the, and what's fun about it to me is you play with your friends. You play with up to three friends, and you are all on the same ship, and you all go do these adventures together. And every time I've played, something new happens that we talk about after the fact. My friend makes videos about this stuff, and it's so much fun. It's the most fun I think I've had with a multiplayer game in, I, I, I don't know, maybe ever. I mean, it's just every time we go on, we have a good time. And it's gorgeous, and it takes place in the Caribbean, and I came down to the Caribbean, and there are no pirate ships down here. I'm very upset. <laughs> well, let's not even talk about your vacation, okay? Can I just say that? Because I was, <laughs> so, yeah, that's very clever of you to work that in, that you're calling from the Caribbean. Mm. Uh, one thing that always gets me interested is how did you find out about it, and how did you kind of you know, bring your buddies in? They actually brought me in. It was uh, one of my friends had found it, and he was playing it and liked it. He kind of recruited some other friends. And they were all playing it fairly early on when there wasn't a lot of content. And then, you know, I usually spend the summer traveling, so I came back in September, and they were like, no, you got to get this, you got to play with us. And so I eventually downloaded it. And so we all just kind of played together, and there's about, you know, it's six of us, but you can only play four at a time, and that actually works out because there's only four of us ever our lives latch, you know, match up at a certain time that we can all sit down and play for a few hours. And it ends up just, I don't know, like I said, it's, you go adventuring with your friends and, you know, we're all adults. So everyone has real lives. It's not like we can go hang out at a bar every night. You know, that's we're not 21 anymore. So this is kind of a way for us to all hang out. It's all, we have microphones and stuff. So we're all talking to each other and joking around. And I don't know, it's like fun adventuring with your friends, but in a virtual way, which I think it's kind of video gaming at its best, really. Oh, absolutely. 
And Cody, what about you? What has got you excited about whatever you're playing right now? What's your favorite game at the moment? I have two kids, right? So I don't have a lot of time. And I was going to school for a while, so I didn't have a lot of you time really there. Have. But when I do have time, I've been playing through very slowly the most recent God of War game. And I have to say that it's it's very good. The story is captivating. The fighting is, is a lot of fun. And, you know, there's there's just something about, if you're familiar with the series, it's Kratos as a dad. <laughs> <laughs> So this seems like something you might be able to relate to, huh? Yes. Right, yeah. It's funny because I've a lot of people I've talked to are like, yeah, you know what? I have a friend who's a dad, and he just really loves that game. But he's not <laughs> hes not really a good dad. And he's like, boy, boy, read this for me. And he doesn't even call his son by name most of the time, you know. It's, it's probably not a good fatherly trait to have. <laughs> but uh, whenever I'm not playing that, I've been just falling back on one of my old favorites, Diablo 3. Interesting. <laughs> well, and... You know, and, and of course, we've got this—the new Google announcement about their new online gaming thing. And you know, Jeff, are you kind of mixed between PC, online, console games, or are you kind of a favor one of those areas over the others? I've never really been a console gamer. I owned a PS3 only to play Gran Turismo. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the only console I've ever had. I'm entirely a, a PC gamer, but the Google. Um, and I can't think of the name of it at the moment. Um, but yeah, the new Google platform, it's interesting. It's an interesting idea. I'll be very curious to see how the latency issues work because I was a hardcore first-person shooter guy for a long time, and so latency was always a huge issue. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how they're able to make that work when you know it's all the processing is being done away from you. <laughs> you know, It's all in the cloud. But potentially that's a great idea, and potentially it's something that like I could play on my cheap laptop while I'm on the road because it doesn't matter what the processor is in your device in your room because all that is done, like I said, in some huge processing system somewhere else, and then they just stream it to you. So, yeah, potentially that's a game changer, but it's Google, and as much as I love Google and have tons of Google stuff, they are well known in the tech world for coming out with a neat idea and then completely squandering it until it's dead. There is that. It's so much back-end stuff going on there. I hope it's successful and it does well. But it just seems like you know there's so much out of your control between your cloud servers and somebody somewhere in the world with a computer. It just seems like, yeah. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. We shall see, yeah. We shall see. That is exactly right. I want to be as optimistic and and hopeful as possible. But as we sit here today, it just seems like, man, that is a big thing to take on. But there's also a lot of money. I mean, there's more money in gaming than any other media. So that's obviously why Google's going after it. They see that there's big money there. Right, exactly. So we will kind of hang back and wait and see where that goes. Uh, And on that note, we do need to take a quick break. So you are listening to Pop Tech Radio, Jeff Morrison and Cody Castleberry. And I'm Mike Etchard, and we are coming right back.
It's Dodge Performance Days, where that new car smell gets replaced by the scent of burned rubber. With Dodge Charger and its available best-in-class 485 horsepower, Dodge Challenger Hellcat Red Eye, with up to 797 horsepower and 707 pound-feet of torque, and the powerful seven-passenger Dodge Durango. Hurry in for great deals now at Dodge Performance Days. Ward's Large Regular Car Vehicle Segment. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. It is PopTech Radio, Mike Etchart, Jeffrey Morrison from the New York Times, CNET, and The Wirecutter, Cody Castleberry, my producer. We are talking games, and okay, Jeff, I'm going to give you a chance to reconsider the whole thing you said about consoles. On the break, you were remembering that, in fact, there were some other console games you were a fan of. You kind of dismissed console games. Well, and I, I did have a PlayStation 3, and it was predominantly to play Gran Turismo, as I said. Uh, and then on the break, we were talking about that the Metal Gear series is really good and i did play one of those it was very good and then i totally split my mind that one of my favorite games of all time like top five amazing was this game called journey which is a fairly short game uh that was only on the playstation and uh, absolutely amazing experience and showing what games could be kind of separate from the usual shooter or racer or sports or whatever and yeah so i'm not against consoles it's just not typically my type of game comes out on that medium so i'm more of a pc guy as we talk about games and i think on the break we were also saying you know that the whole metal gear series that was a game that people bought the playstation for you know it's sometimes there are games that are just so ubiquitous but yet as we were talking about earlier the the pressure in the gaming world to have a hit is just so intense, yeah. and the commitment is so staggering in terms of budget. It's a relentless and brutal business, man. And I was in the games business for a while, 20 years ago, and it was like that then, but it's just gotten even more accelerated in terms of the challenge and the pressure to deliver a hit, because it's a medium where there's hits and it just falls away. It's very difficult to have kind of a medium success. You, yeah. It's kind of hit or failure, and these big name games, I mean, they could be hundred million dollars or more for development. Oh yeah, and stunning. yeah, and, stunning. and if they, you know, you have sixty, seventy dollars to to buy the game, but of course, then as soon as everyone's bought it, well, then what? And so I understand from the business point of view that these companies are trying to do kind of monetize over time using what's called microtransactions, where you pay maybe a dollar or something for something in the game, because what all these companies have found is that microtransactions tend to make them a lot of money. You know, the vast majority of gamers, and I, I don't remember the exact statistics, but something like 95% will never do a microtransaction. But that small, tiny fraction of people who will, will do it a lot. They love the game that much. They might spend another $50, $60, $70 over the course of the year and that's just all of that additional revenue for a company. Now, that said, what gamers are kind of pushing back is, is that as companies are trying to force people to do these microtransactions, and gamers are kind of rebelling against that. EA was the most recent casualty. I don't want to say casualty because they deserved it, but <laughs> the, the most recent issue was in the latest Star Wars game where you basically kind of had to pay to do any part of the game that was interesting 
Um, and gamers freaked out because, and rightly so. He's like, I just spent $60 and you tell me I need to spend another five bucks to unlock Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like what the hell? So they rolled that back, but these, but all the companies, they want to have something in there to let you give them more money. If you find something interesting, that's never going to go away. There's too much money to be made, but hopefully what we've seen over the last year or two is that there's an understanding that these companies can't quite get away with as much as they were hoping for in terms of forcing people to spend more money after the fact. But I'm sure someone will push it again someday. Obviously a delicate dance. Oh, yeah. No, hopefully this is just teaching them that they can't put, you know, performance-based things in, in the package. They could, they're they supposed to just put right. uh, cosmetic changes. And that was what was happening there with a Star Wars game is you'd go in and you'd get a better blaster or, you, or you know... Not even just unlock a character. I mean, it, I think the characters behind the paywall is is something you can only do if you're a free game, you know. But right, right. They got hammered really hard for it, and there's also the idea that you're paying for a random chance at something as well. Does this, you know, there was an article in several European countries have have put out sort of judgments that having to pay for a box that has an unknown item in it can be seen as gambling. Oh. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's so true. There, yes. there are places that, you know, that they're just completely against gambling, so that they're, I think they try to end up banning these games. I think it was this Star Wars game that got banned from, like, Belgium or something. I could be a little wrong. I think maybe they just tried to ban it and didn't quite go through, but there was talk of banning it due to its gambling nature. Well, and I got to say, having been on the other side of this, you know, having been in the boardroom in the office where you're looking at budgets and you're looking at P&Ls and you're looking at, you know, we better show a profit and your job is on the line for your performance. Yeah. You know, you make some of these, you know, or you're forced to or you're encouraged to make some of these corporate decisions before the game even comes out. You're making P&L decisions right. well before anything is going on. and. You know, it seems like a good idea, and then maybe it's not when it all is said and done. But I think, like you said, Jeff, as budgets continue to increase and pressures on these publicly traded companies continue to to right. force that's folks. The key. Yeah, that's the key. It really is. And so it's a delicate dance. It doesn't take much to just step over the line and suddenly you've crossed Because all of these big gaming companies are big gaming companies. Like, so all the big games... And the most popular games are all put out by huge corporations. Yes. And maybe they started small, but they're not anymore. And so if you go high enough up that chain, you're going to get to somebody who's not a gamer, who's, who's a businessman. Yes. And he's going to say, nope, you need to put in loot boxes and microtransactions. And, you know, that's it. Like, I don't care what else the rest of the game is. You need to make money after the fact. And maybe everyone involved in the game production doesn't want that. But they're overruled because, you know, that's not the way it works. I think that's a, that's a failure on these big companies, though, is that you have these executives that are in top positions that they should know that they're not a gamer, right? They should know that they don't fully understand the world, and they should put a little bit more trust in their in the team that they have hired to do the right thing that's going to please the players more. Because I think a, a lot of this is a little short-sighted. They want the money right now out of this particular game instead of building a reputation for themselves that's going to bring people back you know time after time and right that's, that's kind of an american value that uh, a lot of businesses display is putting that effort in to show that when you come back we'll have another quality product for you later well we'll talk about that when we come back we've got more on 
art versus commerce, because ultimately that's what it is. It's Pop Tech Radio. We are coming right back. Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com. Popgo Technology Radio, Mike Etchard here, Jeffrey Morrison from The Wire Cutter, New York Times, CNET, my producer Cody Castleberry. We are having the endless discussion of art versus commerce in the gaming business. And of course, we earlier in the show, we talked about the head of HBO stepping down as AT&T came in to take over the company. And Cody, you had a very... Uh, uh, Ultimately, you're making games here in this case. The quality of the game should overrule everything else, but it doesn't. The reality is that these publicly traded companies, oftentimes the creatives have to do something, hold their nose and do stuff they don't want to do. And I don't see that ever changing in gaming and movies in any. It's always going to be the debate internally. As, and again, as we are talking about budgets north of $100 million, whether it's a film or whether it's a game, that's high stakes. And Jeff, I know you are in boardrooms as well, and you always know who wins that battle, right? Oh, yeah, of course. What I was going to say right before the break was, you know, on the other side of this, you have a company, the company that makes CFCs, which I think is called Rare. You, know, you buy the game, it's 50 bucks. There's no, as far as I can tell, there's no microtransactions or anything in it. But yet they're still developing the game. They're adding content. It's over a year after it came out. And I think they're seeing and what makes sense to me is that if they keep improving the game, then people will keep playing the game and they'll tell their friends to keep playing the game, to buy it and so forth, which is exactly what happened with me is that my friends were playing it. I bought it. A couple other friends bought it. We're all playing it together. And it kind of also makes us, at least for me, want to buy whatever their next game is. Like, wow, they did a great job. They supported this. I played it for a year. Yeah. I'll give them another 50 bucks in a year to play another game. Sure. So I don't know. It's, um, it's a different way of looking at it as a smaller developer, as far as I know. So they don't quite have the overhead that a game like Anthem would have had. Right, yeah. And this is kind of the, whether it's a record label or a game developer or a movie studio or whatever, you know, you often do start at a smaller level and then you get to be a larger company and then you have larger overhead and then you have different concerns about how you have to extend the life of a product or of a brand or all that stuff. And it's, it is easier when you're smaller, right? And you are passionate, but, but now we can continue the conversation on games. We've got E3 coming up in a couple of months. Jeff, is there anything on the horizon you're excited about that's coming or are you that deep these days in gaming and waiting for that next thing? You know, I'm really not because like E3 comes out and I kind of look at everything after the fact. So, I mean, my history with E3 is I, I, I've gone a number of times, probably seven or eight times, by far my least favorite trade show Ooh. Uh, on earth. And, and maybe it's gotten better since I stopped going. It was such an onslaught and such a, a nightmare to go to because it's loud and all the booths face 
outwards so you can't walk through the narrow corridors and because people are blocking everything. So if you're actually trying to work the show and like go and have meetings, you're constantly blocked by people just gawking at whatever the thing is. And for a lot of years also, it's just super sexist, like booth babe, yeah. just on display. Like, this is just gross. Like, why are you doing this? It's for games. Like, what the hell? I don't know. I was disgusted by it. And then they tried to fix it. And then I've had friends go and say that it's come back to be kind of how it was. And yeah, no, yeah. thanks. I'll read the web. I'll read the well, and, and, other and, people go. And this is kind of the challenge with trade shows in general, right? The trade shows are a business for the, whoever puts them on. And it's incredibly right, expensive right. for companies to show up. And actually, I have a history with E3 as I was at the first one in the gaming business. I think it was 95, oh I was the first one. And it was spun off because back in the day, I think it was Comdex, the old computer trade show in Vegas, used to be kind of one of the places where gaming was shown. And then also CES had a little bit. And then they started E3. And it was incredibly successful from the get-go in terms of a successful trade show. And that was when retail was strong, of course, and the money was ridiculous. And within about three years, it just got overwhelmingly huge. And the cost the companies were spending to, you know, million dollars for the booth and they'd send, you know, teams of 30 or 40 or 50 people and they competed with after show parties and Aerosmith playing and it just got to be ridiculous. (laughs) And then... As the story goes that I heard, you know, sometime in the early 2000s, a bunch of the big companies got together and said, what are we doing? It's an arms race. We're trying to outspend each other. And they were making $10 million commitments to show up at E3. And they all said, let's not go next year. And it, that was, I think, one of the big game changers. And it crashed. And But like yeah. you said, it's kind of slowly come back. It's not quite as big as it was, but... It's still big. It's still gaudy. It's still a sensory onslaught when you walk through that. Mm-hmm. But that's the gaming business, right? That is really what it's all about. And it's not like it used to be where you had to go to the show to get that latest information. Somebody is there live streaming it or doing videos, and you immediately find out kind of what's exciting. Right. But that has been a show historically that has been just overwhelming. You're just exhausted when you leave. Oh, uh, absolutely. I, I tend to go every other year or so. It is hyper competitive, and it's, as we said, it's such a hit driven business. What else are you going to do? It's a huge marketing exercise for many of these companies. Um, now, Cody, what about you? You were in deep with games. Is there something on the horizon that you're fired up about that might be shown at the E3 in June? I wouldn't say so. I don't usually pay attention to E3. Good point you made is is that you know anything you want to know, you'd be out on the internet pretty much immediately anyway. Actually, I was I was looking as as you were talking, and I'm seeing this is just from a YouTuber that I usually watch, who is trustworthy in my opinion about the news that he shares. Uh, Boogie two nine eight eight. He says that he's worried about E3 because Sony and EA have pulled out of oh. E3. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, very interesting. But yeah, I generally don't, because what do you usually have at E3? Most of the limelight goes to those big blockbuster games that have, you know, Assassin's Creed 20 and all those different games that are just on that roll of doing the same thing over and over again. I'm not saying that there aren't any uh, good games there, and I'm not saying that uh, the indie games aren't represented, but who takes up the lion's share of the coverage, you know? Um, I'd much rather go to a place like PAX, check out the smaller stuff. Yep, it is a trade show for blockbusters. And on that note, we've got to take a break. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. We'll be right back. 
No one ever said, give it a bit. No one ever said, give it less. We say, give it everything. The world wasn't built by half measures, by the half-hearted. So when we set out to build our boldest SUV ever, we didn't hold anything back. Introducing the all-new Telluride. Kia. Give it everything. Expected spring 2019 in limited quantities. Presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Pop Tech Radio. Now, here's your host. Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchart, Jeff Morrison from CNET, The New York Times, The Wirecutter, and Cody Castleberry. We are actually been talking about games and... Jeff, you were on the break. You were talking about that little indie studio, Rare, that you, uh, you're a big fan of one of their games. And uh, oops. <laughs> you know, and, and I, as I said it, I, in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, I bet they're owned by somebody. and I'm going to sound like a complete idiot. And um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, I sure, sure am. <laughs> so they're a subsidiary of Microsoft Studios. Um, that little lucky company, Microsoft. What do they do? You know? uh, but I mean, I guess it does say something that, I mean, it doesn't change what we said. So, I mean, they don't act like these big companies. Right. So you have somebody like these microtransactions, well, they're being put in place by a developer. The developer is owned by some gaming corporation like Activision or whatever, that they're forcing these long-term financial income plans. But then, you know, you have Rare, they aren't being forced to do that. And it's good because it would completely ruin the game if they did. But obviously, it didn't even occur to me that they would be because they don't act like, they don't act like a big gaming conglomerate it's fair to say that some companies are allowed by their corporate overlords to kind of do what they do and that we do see that from time to time but right it's becoming more and more rare as profit pressures continue to rise and it still goes back to the and i wonder how much of that we see to tie back to like how we were talking about um, other content where perhaps hbo was like that where they found some good people and said hey go do your thing and that's that quality shows whereas some other entities might have more of a meddling hand in it and the end result be is terrible, which, like, I mean, obviously I'm just, just conjecture, but then you have Disney and the Marvel Universe. Those are all great movies, and they just kind of do their thing, whereas on the other side, if you have DC and Warner, those movies are almost entirely terrible, and <laughs> it shows a lot of corporate meddling, I think, of like, wow, how did this happen? Like, who let this happen or who messed this up along the way? Well, and I would say that, you know, if you look, you know, because talking now back to the film business, you know, Warner's has historically had the reputation of being that mostly hands off corporate entity. You know, they over the years and, and even up until now, they've kind of shown that they are usually pretty sensitive to the creatives. You know, it's still certainly a large corporation and the HBO really flourished kind of under the Warner tent. So you never know, I suppose. I think in general, right. you don't has, know what goes on behind the scenes. You don't yeah. know what goes on behind the scenes, and maybe Marvel has the freedom because of their success to kind of do what they want to do. You know, the could the, be could one be. of the 
famous stories uh, of, of Warner Brothers lore is the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. You know, when those cartoons were started, they were meant to just be filler between the two movies that were played. And and they were fantastically hysterical. And the story was that Jack Warner, the head of the Warner Studios, didn't know even where those guys, where their offices were. They got to just kind of do what they <laughs> want to do. And they were fantastic. But at some point, wow. everybody talked how great they were. And then the Warner Brass kind of started injecting themselves in the creative process. And then that was the end of the great Warner Brothers cartoon. So this sort of meddling Interesting. goes back a long, long ways. And it's going to continually be because it's a world full of content and content is such a big business and so many big companies have their hands in all of this stuff. So I don't know. It's not going to end anytime soon. It's going to be stuff we're going to be talking no. about for a very long time. So on that note, we got to wrap it up. Jeff, it's been great to have you. Thank you for interrupting your vacation in the Caribbean for coming on the show. You know, it was difficult. What can I say? <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, it's a sacrifice that I will make for you. Well, don't think we don't appreciate that. So, folks, thanks for listening into this episode of Popular Technology. As you may know, we are podcasts. If you want to revisit any old episodes, you can go back and check them out. Our podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple iTunes. And we want to also thank Radio America. They are our syndicator that takes us out to all the great radio stations across the country. Cody Castleberry. Cody, you were on air. You were off air. You were the multitasker today, right? Part of the DIA. It's just, you have to do it all. Exactly. So we certainly appreciate that. So, folks, <laughs> have a wonderful week. We'll be back, of course, next week talking technology. And uh, we're going to go out with a great tune by an artist by the name of Liz Fair. I was working out at the gym last night, and I heard this song. I'm like, oh, my God, I love this song. So we are heading out with Liz Fair. This has been Popular Technology. I'm Mike Etchard. Thanks for listening in, and we will see you next time. For more in-depth reviews, go to our blog at PopularTechnologyRadio.com. The big news from Subaru is the all-new three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has the interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.